Welcome to The Planted Runner. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik. I'd like to share a dirty little secret. I started smoking cigarettes when I was 14 years old, and I loved it. I smoked all the way through high school and college. Senior year, I was living abroad in Spain where smoking was a huge part of the culture, and I fit right in. At the end of the year, when I was contemplating staying longer and maybe teaching English, a big factor in me deciding to leave was that I knew if I stayed, I'd never quit smoking. I was a decade-long smoker by the time I finally quit for good after more than two years of trying. I can't even imagine how massively different my life would have turned out if I never could quit. I certainly never would have started running. But there are people out there who have far more dramatic stories than mine. Imagine a three-pack-a-day smoker for 20 years who finally quits and then goes on to not only qualify for the Boston Marathon multiple times, but accomplishes her fastest times in her 60s and is still going strong. Get ready to be inspired. Welcome to The Planted Runner. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and my mission is to help you improve your running, your mindset, and your life with science-backed training and plant-based nutrition. Today, I'm sharing my conversation with Amy Cords. We'll go over her incredible story from smoker to smoking fast, the lessons she's learned along the way, and her advice for continuing to improve even as you age. Amy is a newer member of my PR team, and she's been a delight to have on board. I'll explain a little more about the PR team later on in the show, but if you're ready to learn more right now, just head over to theplantedrunner.com slash group. Don't forget to stay tuned all the way to the end of the episode for another Mental Strength Minute. Fortify your mind in 60 seconds or less. Before we get into the details, I'd like to invite you to run with me in my beautiful hometown this fall, September 12th through 15th, 2024. I will be hosting a four-day running retreat in the Blue Ridge Mountains in Asheville, North Carolina. We'll stay in luxury cabins right on the French Broad River where we can run right out the door. You'll get run coaching, strength training classes, running gait analysis, and more. And of course, it will feature amazing plant-based food and a little nightlife as well. We had so much fun last year that I cannot wait to do it again. It's perfect for adult runners of all ages, paces, and abilities, and you're bound to meet runners just like you. Spaces are very limited and it's first come, first serve. So sign up today at theplantedrunner.com slash retreat. I'll be offering early bird pricing until March 15th. So be sure to take advantage of that as soon as you can. I can't wait to run with you this September. And now here's my conversation with Amy Cords. Welcome to The Planted Runner, Amy. Thank you for having me. Well, I wanted to share your story. You have a really interesting uh, journey that brought you here. So you were a really heavy smoker until your 40s when you quit and started running. Can you talk about that transformation? Um, yeah. So in my early 40s, you know, I was an IT professional. I worked for many years on a very heavy schedule, like 80, 90 hour weeks. And so we all smoked. And then eventually over time, people became more conscious of health and one by one, everyone quit until I, I decided it was time for me to quit. And I happened to just on an off chance mention it to a woman that I work with that I was about ready to quit. And uh, next thing I know, I was um, in the 
the hypnosis office because she made me an appointment. <laughs> and on the way, I was kind of like, oh, this is kind of a waste of money. <laughs> so, but, you know, I'll give it a try. I've tried a couple other things and they didn't work. Maybe this will work. So I walked in and I had a couple of concerns for the hypnotist. And one was, so, you know, when you go under, can you make me do anything I don't want to do? Like, am I going to squawk like a chicken every time somebody rings a bell? Or is there any <laughs> other thing, that, you know, that, and she basically said, well, you, you can't really make anyone do anything they don't really want to do even on, under hypnosis. And I said, okay, well, because, and that actually ended up being true because she um, gave me a suggestion, I guess you call it, um, not to eat too much and that didn't work. <laughs> so the smoking one, however, did. And so um, I walked in, I smoked for 25 years, about three packs a day, Ooh. and I walked out a non-smoker. And in August, I celebrate my 20th year of not smoking. So I've never, ever had another cigarette. So it's, it was amazing. I really didn't believe it. I was a little distressed in one respect. And, you know, one of the things I asked her was, you know, was I easy to hypnotize? And she's like, oh, yes. <laughs> Oh, well, I kind of thought I had more mental fortitude than that, but okay, not. Yeah. Um, Maybe you really wanted so to quit. <laughs> I, apparently I did. <laughs> so, and I was quite concerned about my health. But one of the other things she said was you need to disassociate with um, things that you did when you were a smoker. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, and I'm almost embarrassed to say this, but I used to do step aerobics and elliptical <laughs> and all sorts of other things and have a cigarette on the way to the car. <laughs> so oh my gosh, how funny. Working out, you know, almost every type was perfectly comfortable. I obviously have really good lungs or something. Um, but the one thing I never could do was run. Ah. Running was completely off. And I'd say probably most smokers would tell you that they, it's like breathing in a box of pins. It's not fun. Uh, not that I've ever done that. Um, but uh, anyway, so I started out small. You know, I just ran a couple of days here and there. And eventually... I um, started running, um, you know, a couple of miles and my husband and I decided that we were going to go to San Francisco and run the San Francisco bridge, the Golden Gate Bridge. Okay. And uh, supposedly it was five miles long. And my husband's an engineer and he's never wrong about such things. So anyways, I practice and practice and practice. And it took me a really long time and I would have to walk and, you know, I was still recovering from being a smoker. And, uh, you know, I still had lung things going on. And so finally, one day there was a, I was in 24 hour fitness in, in Phoenix, Arizona, cause I was traveling for work and, um, all of the people around me were also, you know, running and it was very full and I ran five miles and I was so excited. I started screaming on this treadmill. All right. All right. And the woman next to me goes, <laughs> I want some of that. <laughs> yeah. And so I told her what I was doing. And she said, you know, we're going to all run five miles in celebration of your five miles. So all the people around me <laughs> ran five miles. So that was a fun day. Wow. <laughs> Anyways, fantastic. we got to that Golden Gate Bridge. And unfortunately, it is only a mile and a quarter. <laughs> so, so how many times me. did you run it? You, did you go back and <laughs> forth? I had to go back and forth. <laughs> So, um, but along the way, I also was uh, at a party with a work, a work associate of mine and another one. 
And she said she was training for a marathon and she, she kind of described to me what the process was. And I said, you know, that sounds like a lot of fun, um, <laughs> but I'll train with you, but I'm not going to do the marathon. You know, like I said, I kind of wanted to kick it up a notch. Um, one thing I didn't say is I had gained a lot of weight. So okay. as I said, the suggestion about not, not eating didn't work. Um, so I was really anxious to, you know, get back into things and I was starting to feel way better. And I thought, you know, I could kick it up a bit. And so, you know, you know how this is going to end, right? So I end up running the marathon and it was this bleak, I, it was the inaugural marathon in Houston. It wasn't the Houston marathon. There was another one they run about a week before mm. and they had like an eight hour cutoff. So we thought this was going to be a good one for our first marathon. And I'm pretty sure we did absolutely everything wrong. I mean, I really <laughs> think our longest run was like 16 miles or something. Anyways, um, the way you ran is you ran through um, a park in Houston and it was a, used as the floodplain for, you know, when they had overflows in the city because there's so much concrete. And the thing looked like all of the trains had been burned halfway up and wow. it was very bleak. And there was one man with the bell. <laughs> that was it. That was the spectators. <laughs> and I think there were 44 people that were in the marathon, but I came in 10th. And I was so excited. (laughs) Now, I had to wait for a half hour in the park because, unfortunately, my friend got hurt. And we had to wait for the SAG truck to come get her. And so I thought, you know, wow, you know, I could probably do better. So that's kind of where the whole marathon. Now, so I never did a 5K. I never did a 10K. I did do a couple. I mean, obviously, (laughs) I ran them because I ran that distance, but I never did anything official. And I, you know, we did a couple halves, but really they were only training runs. So that's kind of how I got to marathoning and from smoking. And as I said, not only did I lose the weight, but I never went back to smoking. Thank goodness. Amazing. So how did marathoning become your obsession? What is it about the marathon that inspires you so much? So I think one thing um, is that, you know, you know, I started running when I was 49. There's not, I started running marathons when I was 49. There's not a lot of expectation for people to run fast. So that pressure is kind of not there um, when you're a master's runner. Because, you know, if I was 20, everyone would expect me to run a marathon in three hours. But, you know, as a master's runner, they're just excited I'm out there. And so I thought it was really hard. And I was really excited that I could do such a hard thing. Now, I didn't ever run a 5K, as I said, so I had no idea how hard a 5K really is. Mm -hmm. And if I had, I probably never would have done the marathon. (laughs) The marathon was just so difficult. It took so much training and it was a social thing too, right? So, you know, I ran with my friend. We had a lot of fun. You know, all of the training runs, I almost liked the training better than the actual race itself. But but that was one of the reasons I became so obsessed with marathons that I ended up doing 35 of them. I think 36 is coming. Um, And, uh, you know, just because of the social aspect and because it was something as a person who was never an athlete that I could do that seemed very athletic. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really great point. I like that. So you, your story is that you had a lot of success when you first started, but then you seem to hit a plateau. Can you describe what happened and how you turned it around? So I, when I was 51, that was about, you know, like I said, my first one was 49. So about three, four years later, um, I did a PR that basically lasted for the next 10 years. So, but I ran, um, the Jacksonville Bank Marathon. And uh, it was a nice flat course and it was a good day. And 
the woman that I had been training with had us do 14 mile repeats before we went into, I know. What? <laughs> how, how did I ever do that? <laughs> I wouldn't do it now. <laughs> but anyways, I was in pretty good shape for that marathon. And so anyways, I got to the marathon and um, I came in very close to four hours. And it was one of those things that you were like, you know, I think, you know, if I trained harder, if I trained smarter, if I did this, I did that, mm-hmm. I would come up with um, under four hours. And so that became like my thing. Mm-hmm. I had never heard of Boston at that point. And so my thing became I needed to to break four hours. And so I, you know, started on a process. So I read everything I could. And as you know, things have changed over the years. You know, in the last 10 years, the theory about running and what you need to do has also changed. Sure. So at first, I just ran a lot. <laughs> so I thought that was the answer, right? So run a lot. That works for a little, for, for every a while. marathon you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does work for a while. And you know, at first, it works actually pretty well, but he still couldn't break four hours. Um, I did add, add in, at, you know, about six or seven years, you know, 5Ks, 10Ks, things like that. But it doesn't, you know, I never did them seriously. I always just kind of had fun at them. And then we ran four or five marathons every single year. Three or four of them would be for fun. Um, we would travel places and, you know, do those kind of things. And then one would be a serious one, but usually I was so tired by then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like I was really, really going for it. So, so uh, it took me about 10 years. So when I was 61, everything all came together. And, you know, um, I talk about that in a second, but um, everything all came together and I was able to PR finally under four hours. Yay. I was very excited. Yes. So, so, you know, part of how I did that was, um, it was mostly being really frustrated. (laughs) I qualified for Boston. So, you know, as you age, it gets a little bit easier, but, but uh, I qualified for Boston and I was, um, just about to go. I got the, you know, in those days we always ordered the jackets early. So Uh, everybody ordered their jacket early, right. It showed up. And the day after they canceled it. <laughs> so, 2020. So the point, pandemic. Yeah. That was, yep, the pandemic years. And so in 21, when they redid it, and if you recall, they you had to requalify. They did not defer your qualification. So you had to requalify, which means lots of people aged up and all sorts of other things. And so the qualification window was, first of all, there's less people. And then second of all, the time got, you know, pretty high. And I missed it by, you know, 40 seconds or so, which... Which, you know, I could have run another marathon in that time, but I didn't. I thought my first time would be good enough and it wasn't. But I was pretty frustrated. Mm -hmm. And like I said, although running the Boston Marathon was never a goal, I mean, it became eventually, but um, it wasn't the primary goal. I was just really frustrated that I couldn't go. And and, um, so I went out and ran another marathon and absolutely um, uh, ran like with a huge buffer. So, and the way I did that is, to be honest with you, I started training more for the 5K than I did for the marathon. So for the majority of the cycle that I ran, in those days, I think we were doing like 18 weeks or something. I really just trained for the 5K. I got really good at a 5K. Then I ran the 10K. Then I ran the half. And then, wow, that really, really helped me with what I was doing with the marathon. And I, for a change, wasn't so tired. Like running all those other marathons. Yeah. So what <laughs> specifically were you doing, you know, that was different for 5K training versus marathon training? I think people definitely well, want to know this. 
Right. So you introduce, when you do the 5K training, obviously you introduce a lot of the speed work that's at the short distance. So the other thing is I found a local track that allows us to run there. So I was running my speed work on the track, which allows you to run a lot faster. Yes. So you kind of get used to it. So, you know, you go back on the road and it's not going to be quite as fast as it is on a track. However, your body has kind of gotten used to those really fast paces. And so I noticed that it picked me up a good minute, a minute a mile. So, so that was one reason. And, and then the other is, you know, I introduced tempo runs Mm. and I stopped not doing them because I really hate tempo runs. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's my least favorite. So, because you have to do them on the road, it's not fun like a track. (laughs) It's not all springy and bouncy and you can't run really fast. So, so, but uh, I did the, the tempo run. And the tempo run really, really, really helped. And the other thing is I shortened the cycle. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about that. Yeah. That master's runners find a lot of times is the injuries come up kind of out of the blue. I felt like when I was younger, it was a little less easy to get um, injured. But now, like, all of a sudden, you know, things will come out of the blue. So, for example, I was running the Boston Marathon the first time. And I thought somebody shot me in the gut with a gun in the foot and I'm hopping on one foot. And I found out eventually that I broke my fifth metatarsal. Oh no. I I had a fifth metatarsal. I guess I knew I had metatarsals, but, but yes. And then, so, um, the lady at the tent was like, okay, we're going to, we're going to move your leg like this. And if you scream, we're not going to let you run the marathon. I was like, oh, is that a question? I'm going to finish if I have to bounce along on my behind. (laughs) We were like mile 23. But it's just a lot easier. So it so seemed like... So did you like, scream? You know, no, no, no. Wait, we got to find out. I did not. Okay. <laughs> no, she went... And I went... Okay. That's eh, fine. <laughs> she goes, oh, okay, well, you can keep going. I was like, oh, I'm going to keep going anyway. <laughs> Even if I have to jump on one foot, I'm going to keep going. So um, like I said, it was a mile 23. I hardly had any left. So that was, you know, part of the whole, you know, process is that, you know, you you tend to get injured. So the other thing that I added was prehabbing. So mm. I do a 10 minute little routine, very similar to a lot of the routines I've seen you, you post on yours. Yeah. Um, I added that one year and uh, the next year I added, you know, rolling and then, you know, some mobility, I wasn't doing any mobility. And so I added that. And so all of those helped, but really shortening that cycle. So I wasn't exhausting myself and opening myself up to more injury. Right. Um, so now I, when I try, um, when I train for a marathon, it's an eight week process. I don't do 18. Right. So, but it's not like you're on the couch before eight weeks. You're still no. running. <laughs> no. Yeah. So no. it's just, you're doing the specific marathon stuff for eight weeks. Correct. Good. Correct. So you base building for the rest of the time. Right. So, you know, you, we usually start, you know, I usually take some time off after a marathon or, or in the summer here because it gets so hot. Um, and then, or, I, or I really reduce what I'm running, but I try to keep a half marathon on my legs most of the time. So I try to go out, run between 13 and 14 miles every weekend. Um, and that just makes the marathon cycle so much easier. But as you said, you're already pretty well trained right. and I do start speed work. It's just not marathon specific at that yes. point. So yes. The two Good. by threes, the three by twos, which is when you run two miles twice, or three miles twice which are way more marathon specific, come way later in the process. Yeah. So you're not running five marathons a year anymore? (laughs) No. 
<laughs> okay. Okay. So, I, to be honest, it's because I run most of the ones I wanted to run. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, check the boxes. But, yeah, check the boxes. So, so, uh, and you know, I I reached my goal. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so that, that was a little. That was a little. Uh, anticlimactic. You know, it was very exciting to reach the goal finally after all those years. And I actually did it with a friend who also had been spending quite a bit of time trying to reach the sub four hour. She's now like a 320 marathon or so. She went on. I did that. I'll be back with my conversation with Amy right after this. Hear Her Sports is a podcast for everyone who loves stories by and about women striving to improve and make a difference in their lives. I am your host, Elizabeth Emery, a former professional cyclist. In every episode, I introduce a female athlete or woman in the business of sport through a thoughtful conversation about who they are and the terrific work they're doing. My guests and I explore the glorious and frustrating issues in sports, history, equity, training, nutrition, and so much more. Join us for inspiration, for community, and for love of being a strong athletic woman. Women's Running Stories, where we explore the intersection between running and life. Because every woman who is committed to a running journey has a story to tell, and this is where you'll find those stories. I am host and producer Sheree Louise Turner. I'm a 53-year-old runner, and together with original music by musician and runner Cormac O'Regan, we bring these inspirational stories to life. Please join us to fuel your adventures. And now back to my conversation with Amy Cords. Yeah, but you still got faster in your 60s. I think that's like Certainly. the headline there. Ex-smoker Certainly. becomes faster in her 60s. I mean, everybody wants a piece of that pie for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And to be honest with you, there's not a lot of impetus to be a whole lot faster in your 60s because you could qualify for Boston mm-hmm. at, a, at a lot slower pace and not end up injured all the time sure. because you just can't push it so much when you're in your 60s. You do have to bow to the fact that you are, you know, at a certain age. So, but you can still get faster if you honestly slow down and for most of your runs. And when you do speed work, really hit it. But, you know, for most of the runs, you have to slow down. Mm-hmm. And then the other other main thing is not train so long. Yeah. Yeah, this is great. And one thing you have mentioned that you don't do anymore is you don't run over three hours. Now, I got to say, whenever I talk about this on social media, I get so much pushback about the three hour rule. You know, people are like, oh, if I only ran three hours, I can only run, you know, 14, 15 miles in three hours. I can't get, you know, how am I supposed to do this? Or I'm training for an ultra. If you tell me to stop at three hours, I'm never going to be trained but you make yeah. it a rule, which I obviously I support. So can you talk about that? <laughs> so, um, you know, at three hours, anything beyond three hours. So I'll tell you my, my little story. So I decided to run a marathon and it was one of the ones I was going to be very serious about and go for broke. And I ran 24 miles and two days later ran 10 and fractured my hip. Mm. So I was out uh, 13 weeks or something. So. Um, that's kind of when I decided, you know, this is, this isn't working, right? <laughs> this is working. Riding around with a cane now is not, it's not exactly where I wanted to be. So, so I, I went around and I found the Hanson's method. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people say Hanson's is the 16 miles and I, maybe they were at one point, but 
But they've pretty much joined the rest of everyone else saying three hours is the maximum. And they had a lot of really good reasons for that. One was reducing the amount of time that you're putting load, right, on on your joints and your limbs um, and allowing you to run, um, you know, at mar- more marathon-specific type runs that aren't long runs. But the big thing was the reduction in injury. Mm-hmm. So it's just the the... The um, information that they had was so compelling in terms of how much more it reduces your chance for injury. Now, if you're like me in the beginning, I was kind of scared to just run 16 miles um, or three hours in that case at that point. Um, You just do a back-to-back run then. So you get up in the morning and you run another 10. And you know what? If you can do those two things, you can run a marathon. And I do remember at at the 16th mile of the New York Marathon thinking, all right, <laughs> we're here. This is the longest I've run <laughs> in yep. one setting. How's it going to work? And it worked great. I PR'd that one. <laughs> super. Awesome. So, it, yeah, it was super. So, so it was um, absolutely, you know, sold me on the whole three hour thing. So, so what I tell a lot of the ladies that I run with who are not going to make, you know, 20 miles on a six, a three hour run is that if, if you're concerned, then you should do a back-to-back run. There's nothing that says you have to do the 16, I'm sorry, the, the 24 miles in one sitting. And frankly, you're not supposed to run the marathon before you run the marathon. No. <laughs> right? so, so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So, so to train to that level, you know, a half marathon is a little bit different story. But the marathon, it's so important to reduce the amount of injury risk that you have and you really can only do that one way while you're marathon training, particularly if you're going to do more than one or you're going to do, you know, ultras of the same thing. So, you know, at three hours, that's as many miles as you should be running at that point. And again, if you're concerned, just go ahead and run some more the, the next day. It's worked for every single person I've talked to. Yes. Yes, I'm a big believer in that. I usually do a shorter steady run the day before instead of necessarily oh. having people after, but there yeah. there are benefits both ways for sure. Yeah. And the one thing that I want to get people to understand is, yes, you need to run long, but it's what you're doing the rest of the week that matters almost as much or if not more sure. than that one three-hour long run that you're doing. So. Sure. That, yeah, and a lot great. of folks will say, you know, the long run's not supposed to be the only thing you're doing. It's only supposed to be like what twenty percent of the total yeah. volume. Yeah, I you mean have? that is one that is one rule of thumb, and for a lot of uh, recreational runners, twenty percent is kind of unrealistic because they can't, yeah, you know, they low. can't run. Most most recreational runners are not running 50, 60 miles a week. They're just not, you know, most of them are running 25 or 35. And so the 20% rule, there is a little flexibility, I think, you know, at least for people who are in that range. If you're starting to look to improve, if you're starting to go to the next level, you want to move from intermediate to advanced or or even beginner to intermediate, then you got to change that um, ratio a little bit. But Yes, I I agree. The long run should not be the majority of your run. I don't I don't think it should be fifty percent. You know, so there's I, there's definitely some play there. The one thing that um, caught me when you were talking earlier is that you know you've you've checked the boxes, you've you've run the races that you've wanted to run, and you know you're you're happy that you don't necessarily have to get faster and faster. But age group running inspires you. So can you talk about that? 
Um, so the, like I said, there's two things. Nobody really expects, like I said, a master's runner to be fast. So it's kind of fun to go out and, you know, really put down some good times so you can go Yahoo. Um, and there's something very motivating about getting to stand on the podium with your little plaque, even if it's, you know, for the 60 to 64 age group. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the ne- or next uh, fastest person was, you know, 20 minutes behind you. But it's still kind of fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, so, and you know, the funny thing is, is in your 40s, you never get to do that. So unless you're an elite runner or you're really, truly an outstanding runner, it's very difficult to place in your 40s because particularly in the women's side, I don't know about the men, but in the women's side, the competition in the 40s is really stiff. Yeah. So, you know, um, for example... We have some of the Olympians that are local that run some of our, you know, half marathons. So none of my friends who are in their 40s and most of the people I run with are, you know, 40 and 50 are ever going to place in those in those age groups. So it's kind of fun, you know, it's something you can look forward to. You know, I might not be able to run as fast as my 40 year old counterpart, but I can get on the podium. So, yeah. yeah, I did find that kind of motivating. And I'm not really very competitive. So, you know, I'm pretty <laughs> much the kind of person that says, oh, they're going to be sad if I don't let them win. So I'll let them win. Um, so, but against myself, I'm very competitive. So, yeah. so, you know, it's been a lot of fun going out there and seeing how fast I, I can run. I really like to run fast. And so that's just kind of a little reward. It's a very little reward because, again, yeah. the older you get, the less competition there's going to be. But, but it's fun. Good point. Good point. You know, you also mentioned that you uh, raced marathons for fun, which I always find mind boggling because <laughs> somebody asked me, you know, uh, when I was really, really into racing, would you ever run a marathon for fun? And I'm like, are you crazy? Marathons aren't fun. They're hard. <laughs> That's not fun. Yeah, I, it's type two fun, <laughs> I guess. But how do you keep it fun? So I've been fortunate to be able to run with a group of ladies um, that I met uh, oh, 15 years ago, uh, maybe not that long, 10 years ago, and we travel. So we travel, we go to these races. No, you can't run five marathons and, and, competi- and compete in every one of those. And you certainly can't be a serious runner and, you know, and, um, and run all of those marathons. I mean, you would, you would not be able to be very fast at a, at a certain point. But, um, but what was really, what's really fun about it is, is that, you know, you have to look at the, the people around you. So uh, examples I have is, you know, we would go out to a marathon and there would be, you know, we'd be at mile 23 and we're having a good time and we're all chatting and and um, a lady runs past us and she's dressed as a huge donut. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at my friends, they looked at me and my friend said to me, we are not going to let a donut speed us to the, to the finish line, are we? <laughs> we were like, no way. So we all started really, really fast. Now I have to tell you, my two friends are pretty much natural runners. And so they, they can kick it up at any point in a marathon with no trouble. Anyways, the donut gave us good chase, though. So we passed her. <laughs> she passed us. We were like, you are not going to be ahead of us. <laughs> Well, see, maybe that's the secret. Dress like a donut (laughs) and every marathon will be fun. Forget about the training. Just dress like a donut. That's perfect. Just dress like a donut. And yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, another another really fun situation was in Berlin. So we ran the Berlin Marathon. And if you've run a, a marathon outside of the U.S., the crowds are, you know, they're they're nice, but they're way more reserved. So they're like, you know. (laughs) <laughs> so, so I was running next to a woman and she was walk running and she was doing pretty good. 
So she was doing like a, I don't, I don't know what she was doing, but she was walk running. And every time she'd walk, someone would run in from the side and go, you can do it. You do not need to walk. Ah. <laughs> so, did they do this to you the whole way? <laughs> she said, yeah, the whole way. <laughs> every time <laughs> I walk, somebody comes in and goes in German, you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, like I said, it, a lot of the fun part is you go with your friends. You're not really running for a time. Now, when I run seriously and I'm really trying to long a time, um, it is less fun. <laughs> gotcha. So particularly the end is <laughs> less fun. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Amy is one of our newer members of the PR team. And if you're curious what it's all about, here's the scoop. It's a virtual running team and so much more. Instead of relying on motivation or going at it alone, you'll join an amazing group of runners just like you on the PR team. You'll get a truly custom plan for all your running, strength, mobility, mental strength workouts, and more, all based on your fitness goals and lifestyle. You'll get all your questions answered by me and our super supportive team in a private online running community. And the coolest part is that you get access to an exclusive week weekly private podcast just for the team. I answer your questions on the show, give training advice specific to you and the rest of the team, and you can even stay anonymous if that's more your style. It's the sweet spot between just getting a DIY plan and full-on private coaching, even though you'll get lots of individual attention. It's the perfect way to stick to your goals, and not to mention it's fun and more affordable than you think. Team spots are limited, so sign up today at theplantedrunner.com slash group. That's theplantedrunner.com slash group. So I'd love to know, what made you join my PR team? Oh, so I have been following you for a very long time. And actually, ah. you coached a friend of mine. And she rocked it. So she did nice. great. Um, nice. So this was, uh, she went from just sub four to 334 in one marathon. So, and that was awesome. a result of working with you. And um, so anyways, I when I saw your PR team, I thought, you know, that would be really nice. It would be nice to talk to other like-minded people. And, you know, I don't really need the plan, the, the individual coaching as much because right. I feel like, I feel like I have a good formula that's been working for me, I guess. Um, but it would be awesome to like, you know, get to know some other people and, you know, find out what they're doing. And then also I love the individual podcast that we get and yes. all the rest. So that's been really enjoyable. And you really do cover specific things to us, which is really nice. So you clearly have read all the, all of the posts on the wall and yeah, those podcasts are right with it. So I really appreciated the fact that you talked about, you know, my questions about running out of track. So, you know, I like to run fast. So I look at any excuse <laughs> I have to run fast. <laughs> so, yeah. but I mean, I really appreciated you you addressing why I shouldn't be, you know, running at, you know, 650s when you have an 815 pace on there for me or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, so, ha I'm happy. Why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy but, you can run that fast. I just don't want you to run that fast all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it will be time. So I will let you run that fast. Oh, yeah. I promise. I promise. Yeah. Well, that's I great. Yeah, the, hip fracture. The, <laughs> the team podcast is very different from my normal podcast where I do the solo coaching. I just, it's all off the cuff. I'm, you know, I have a general outline of what I'm going to talk about, but I just talk. There's very little 
editing and it's just me saying, okay, this is what I see. This is why you should do this. This is what's happening. This is how you do this workout or whatever is going on uh, in the team. Right. So for me, that's a lot right. of fun to do because it's just, it just me talking. <laughs> and it's a really active group. So, yeah. I mean, there's lots of people posting. People are posting their, their information every day. We're giving each other some advice, mm-hmm. you know, so, and then you come in and chime in, you know, what, twice a week? Twice, twice a, week? a week. Yeah. And that's really good too. So it's, you know, like I said, I, I, the whole experience has been really wonderful and I plan to continue on for a while. Yeah. Awesome. And, you know, there are several women, I think we're up to five or six that are in their sixties at this point. I had a few people that were like, I want to join your group, but I'm afraid I'm going to be the only one in their sixties. I was like, no, no, come on, come (laughs) on. You know, it's, it's mostly people, I would say 35 to 65 is our sweet spot of people and, uh, men and women from all over the world. So it's, uh, it's a good group of people. Yeah, it is. It's really nice. Yeah. So uh, what's next for you, Amy? I think we're about time to uh, wrap this up. So tell everybody what you're training for. Um, So we have a local 15K that um, has a really big hill at the end. So I'm training for that one. I have pretty much logged the same time over and over and over. Um, So I'm hoping to get a little bit faster this year. So it would be lovely to PR that. So, and again, I run with all my friends. I actually don't run with them. This is actually something I run for a time. Um, And then I have Boston in April as well. But I won't start training for Boston for a little while yet. Yeah. Yeah. But the bridge race is a little challenging because it's so crowded. You can't, right? It's not like you can run as fast as possible or do you think you can? Oh, I think. No, I can. I can. can. I can. No, it has the biggest bridge. (laughs) It's a very big bridge at the end. Yes. (laughs) So... You go up and you're like, okay, I, you hate your life the whole way up. <laughs> Why, did I Why am I doing this? So, and then of course you get to come down, which is way better. So, yes. but it has a very big bridge. It is pretty crowded, but, but no, I, um, like I said, the only reason is I, for some reason, always hit the same paces. So I'm hoping my speed work this time will be a little better dialed in. So those paces will get a little faster and I've already done pretty good. Good. Well, we can't wait to see how it turns out. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Amy, so much for uh, being on the show and sharing your experience. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And now it's time for the Mental Strength Minute. Fortify your mind in 60 seconds or less. Today's topic is patience. By definition, getting good at long distance running takes a long time. We need to have patience with the process, patience with our paces, and patience with ourselves. You wouldn't expect to look like a bodybuilder after a month of lifting in the gym, and the same is true for your running progress. It's natural when your goal is speed to try to make everything happen faster, but that will almost always backfire. If your progress is slow, that's a good thing. You're still moving in the right direction. Thank you for listening to The Planted Runner, part of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. Don't forget that you can win a copy of my book for leaving an Apple Podcast review, so be sure to write yours right after your run today. Reviews are the number one way to boost this show's reach, and it's a great way to tell me what you'd like to hear next, because I read every single one. Have a great run today.
sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see... They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Kobe Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flojo. Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network.